3: Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio.
2: Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me are my two lovely and talented co-hosts, Mr. Eric Smith. Hello. And Miss Sarah Buck. Hi. And this episode's going to be full of all kinds of awesome geekness because... This weekend is two wonderful things. Number one, it is, in fact, Rose City Comic-Con. Yay! And number two... Yeah. <laughs> Eric. Eric is delayed and his wooing. And number two... It's the Doctor Who premiere! Ah! Yeah.
1: Is it just me, or does it seem early this year?
4: No. It it's about the, the right time. It needs to be okay. all
2: year every day.
1: Well, forever. yes, but <laughs> for some reason, I was um, thinking October was usually when it premiered, but.
2: No,
4: because it's like, what, 12 episodes, 12 to 14 episodes a season, and then there's a little break before the Christmas special, and yeah, that's and it, it
2: for the year. Yeah, and it was actually so. September last year, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I don't know. But um, I'm really, really excited, and there's all kinds of rumors are already going about about this season and the latest one which just actually hit um early this today morning, yeah. yeah early this morning because we're recording this on wednesday is the fact that according to sources this
4: is the final season for clara
2: Yes, Clara
4: Oswald is rumored (laughs) to be leaving the show. To be Queen Victoria. To be Queen Victoria. So she's taken a job, Miss Jenna Coleman. Playing Queen Victoria, which I said, yes, Jenna Coleman and the period dramas, she does well in those. I think that that it's a good career move for her.
2: It would have been better if she had bowed out gracefully like she should have last year with that final uh, Christmas special. Oh,
4: that would have been such a cute ending for Clara. That would
2: have been a perfect ending for Clara. And and instead, we had her coming back and all of that emotional... Um, hitting for nothing, and yeah. So um, we're gonna have her through. You know, I'm I'm thinking maybe the halfway point of the season they might they might nix her. That might happen. I don't know. It, she maybe she will come. It's through
4: all up. Everything. It's all up to the writers, really. Yeah. So
2: of course everybody's now immediately like, who's going to be the new companion? I don't think it's gonna be Osgood, even though I like Osgood. I know there's people out there that hate her. I don't know why, but I like her and I think it would be cute that the I fan think, girl got her chance to be on the TARDIS.
4: I think that's darling, but do you really want to watch a show where somebody's like Dorky and her whole shtick, her entire thing is like dressing up in like old Doctor? Why? Would, I don't know. I, you know,
2: that would be my life on the TARDIS. I don't see where the problem
4: No, is. but... I don't see the problem, thing. We love Osgood, but, like, she was written as a very kind of one-note character for a very specific part to play in the 50s. And they brought her back. They brought her back for the series finale last year, but just barely. And just because, you know, people were clamoring for it. It was probably just some guard and then they were like fine we'll write osgood into it well, like that's that's how that felt to me
2: i think that i think it's interesting i would i would actually and there's already this big push now that this is hit about clara to have Bernice summerfield come into the the show as an actual physical character and not just an audio drama character and we know for a fact that even the way back when i asked uh, Stephen Moffat about the audio dramas, and that he did not consider them canon. Then he brought in the whole Eighth Doctor thing, which was completely, and then they actually mentioned the doc, the, the Eighth Doctor's companions. From the I audio feel like
4: Stephen Moffat lies a lot. He
2: totally does. Like, I don't uh, I don't told. think
4: that you can trust anything that comes out of that man's mouth. It's just not – he's not a reliable
2: source. Well, he do you know
1: what? I would do the same thing. I know. Like,
2: I can't blame him. I can't if blame people is, were – if, if, no, if I, I totally had a show
1: would. or whatever, I would just mess with people's heads.
2: But I think Bernie, Benny Sommerfeld would, would be really cool, and I, I kind of am on board with that if they, if they get her on there. But we'll see. There's a chance that it might be a completely new character, of course. There's a chance that it might be... I hope uh, it's not a woman. I, I, I kind of... I would love to see more River in there um, with the Doctor, but I don't know. Maybe it will be like... I would like to see the Doctor on his own. I you know I let think... let
4: let Peter Capaldi be by himself. They did I... that a couple times last season. The problem is that like at a certain point in the story arc who's going to draw the doctor back? Like it's the pr- it's the question of um you know I feel like we're kind of back to a um Rose and uh Christopher Eccleston dynamic.
2: Eric, where what gonna say?
4: where yeah, like Chris was so Like, his character, the way he played the Doctor, was so away from people and pushing things out and, you know, being kind of more of a lonely time lord than David Tennant and Matt Smith were. And so Peter Capaldi, I feel, has brought that dynamic back. And I still have yet to see someone bring him back. And that's what Rose did for the Ninth Doctor, Eric, did we lose him? No, no.
1: No, I, I was just gonna say I think he needs another robot companion. I like was gonna, K-9. I was gonna say time, K9. Make it, make it like a little dinosaur or something, or a cat,
4: oh, a little robot cat. A cat, yes, a cat. Velociraptor.
2: <laughs> or yeah, a little oh
1: little God. robot velociraptor that's like not fierce at all.
2: Oh, you know what would be awesome? Oh my God, a bubo He needs a robot owl. That would be cute.
4: I oh. am also voting for just several adipose.
2: <laughs> his army, the doctor's army, is a bunch of fat.
4: Just squishy little fat babies.
2: Oh my God. I, I, I would actually be okay, though. I think Capaldi's got enough of a personality that he could do this on his own. And remember how great it was when it was just Tom Baker and K9? I, I mean, how that was awesome. <clears throat> <laughs> i i'm I, entertaining i'm sorry I'm, but but like
4: of course we know peter capaldi could handle it we know he would act the hell out of it well, but he... the the thing about the doctor is he's our savior you know he he needs to have that connection to humanity
2: well and he can and... just show up at Planets like like that, you know, like they did in those episodes where he just shows up and saves the day and and bonds with a uh, one of the people on the planet and then takes off. I'm okay with that. I think that Capaldi deserves it, and they may be setting us up for something similar to that because they're doing an episode where it's nothing but the Doctor. There are no other Hmm. characters. There are no other things. It's just him, and they're saying it's one of the most uh, intense and different episodes they've ever done. Like it's something that you have to have the the, the chops to be able to pull off. Not you.
4: Totally, yeah, absolutely. But imagine that every time. Imagine how much the novelty would wear off of it. I would be okay with that. I know I know <laughs> that like for other reasons, but you have to like at a certain point you have to separate like selfish desire with <laughs> With artistic desire, those yeah. those two things rarely ever make good bedfellows. I,
2: well, I, I think like, I think we're we should let Stephen Moffat and the team do their thing. Don't I,
4: let Stephen Moffat do anything. I'm
2: I'm okay with him doing this I, because he he is the reason that we have what people consider one of the best episodes to come out of new who and it's funny i have to argue with people when they say he didn't do anything with that i'm like um in big white bold print it says (laughs) written by are you
4: talking about blink yes and Uh well that's great because he was on a leash and he had editing editors there being like nope do this and he's like okay okay he's like grant morrison He's exactly like Grant Morrison. Like, Grant Morrison is fantastic when he's under some editors, and they're like, this is amazing, but let's not. Let's not have these horrendous things over here happen. Well, Stephen Moffat's the same way. Like, when he's under an editor, and they're like, oh, man, you're such an amazing writer. This is great. But you know what? We're going to cut back a little on, you know, this whole, like flirty sexism thing, and we're going to keep it to this. That's amazing. He does amazing work, and then, like, but, like, when you leave Grant Morrison alone with no editor, you get the filth. (laughs) (laughs) The filth. Yeah, no, that's, this is, and and Stephen Moffat is the same, except he kind of has gone into this world where it's like oh every single female character is exactly the same they have the same banter and they have the same mannerisms and they're all kind of pluggy and blah blah blah, but ultimately they all want to get married and have babies and you know like there you go and so it's like edit man bring some more people in on that like
2: but that we was can what all was...
4: produce a really good episode but it takes an army to create a really good show
2: but that's what was interesting with the finale they could have had for clara she did not get married, nor did she have babies.
4: Which is, you know, of course aw- they took her in the thing where they killed off the person she loved most, and that was really
2: sad. And yeah, but at the same time, she without without him, and it, they could have let her live out a wonderful life of being an adventuress and going out and doing all of these things. But instead, they decided, let's keep her around. I thought that would have been a wonderful ending for her. That would have, in her, my eyes, that would have elevated her up. But instead,
4: they kept her. So, Well, and it, I think it was like a decision that was not only for her, I heard that but hers, I think it was in the editing room.
2: Well, I think it was more um, of Jenna Coleman. I, from what I heard, she was on the fence and then decided, no, I'm going to say. And they went. Yeah,
4: and like how long though does it take to find a really good person? Because let's face it, they haven't had great luck with people well, really loving the companions.
2: She's been this companion lately. for the last four years. So yeah, and
4: and people haven't been happy with it. Um we've been happy with it occasionally, but overall I think that she's one of the least loved companions bring
2: of all Donna. Bring back Donna. Time, Screwed
1: off.
2: No. Oh, screw you. Screw you, Eric. I love Donna. 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 But, but <laughs> you know,
4: unlike Stephen Moffat, um, oh gosh, why can't I think of his name right now?
2: Russell Davies.
4: There we go. Davies was a good editor. And when he said you can't do something, like in an episode, like he didn't go back and then immediately do it and that's one of my biggest pet peeves with Stephen moffat is at the beginning of every episode it seems like it's like you can't do that it would be impossible and and then he goes back and you're like oh well guess what they're gonna do this episode they're gonna (laughs) fly the tardis into a paradox you know they're gonna do what he says is impossible to do whereas russell t davies was like nope this is something you can't do like you like we love donna and she had a tragic end But you can't just, like, rewrite rules and do it because, you know, you are also, you know, as a Time Lord, you have limits. Like, that's why, like, Gallifrey's gone because, like, you do things that you, you can't come back from. That's what Trial of a Time Lord was all about. It's like, like, you committed genocide three times and we're putting you on trial because that's not okay. You know, like, it's just...
2: Well and I think that's what's gonna be interesting about this upcoming season is I think we're going back to that and especially with the hints that they're going to have him meet a young Davros and have the opportunity to like what would you do if you met baby Hitler? You know, what would would you would you have the have the balls to go, Okay, I'm going to kill this young child because I know in twenty five years they're going to murder a million people. The doctor has had the opportunity. To yeah, I was going to say, did not are... But but this is Davros. A couple times actually. Is, yes, yeah, but this is baby Davros. He's didn't he
1: already have the opportunity to stop the creation of the Daleks? He, and he chose not yet. to. this
2: is the Daleks. He could have. But this is stopping Davros as a child, like killing one individual. And, and stopping all of this stuff. What would you would you be able to do? Would you be able to make that choice? Is it your responsibility? And that is also, I think, where you're going to have... Um, I think that there are going to be classic Time Lords involved. We already know that he's going back to Gallifrey at some point here. It's going to be interesting stuff. I'm really curious to see where it goes. Um, but um, before we... We've already, like, ranted about this now. Um, I'm very excited because tonight's episode, um, we're going to have an interview with two Doctor Who authors. There's a new book coming out. Actually, I believe it came out a couple of days ago called The Doctors Are In. And the book is all about all of the doctors and a guide to all of them um, by the guys who wrote the doc- Who is the Doctor and Who's 50? And, um, it, that is Graham Burke and Robert Smith. And his actual name is Robert Smith question mark. <laughs> Cause why not Mr. Smith. And, uh, it's going to be a great interview. I'm really excited to talk to these guys. They, they know they're who, and, uh, it's going to be a fun time. Um, and it's very timely, of course, pun intended, um, since uh, years time, lordly. And I guess, um, Sarah is going to be accompanying me tonight, possibly, to the 3D two-hour Fathom event of Doctor Who, if she's available. Um, Yes. uh, So that will be fun, and uh, it's in 3D, and there's also a prequel to the new season that's going to be shown at the theater. So I'm very excited about that. Um, But before we get into interviews and thus and such, uh, a couple of things really quickly that I wanted to recap. I was wrong. I thought the season of Rick and Morty was over. It's not. There was a new episode this weekend. And it was an interesting one uh, that focused on the effed up relationship between (laughs) Morty's mom and dad. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you guys, did you guys catch it at all?
4: I know because it's not out on um, Hulu yet, which I imagine is right around the corner.
2: Um. So this one was actually called um, "Big Trouble in Little Sanchez," <laughs> but nice. it had it had nothing to do with "Big Trouble in Little China." And um, what happened was due to a very <laughs> a very strange, random, uh, specific request by Summer, who is Morty's sister. Um, Rick decides he's going to go ahead and. Um, put himself in a, in a younger body. He's a little tiny Rick. That's he goes around screaming tiny Rick and uh, to stop a vampire that's attacking her school that is taken care of immediately and off screen. That, that, that has nothing else to do with the episode. Um, so Summer and Morty realize there's something wrong with Rick during this and you realize that that old Rick is trapped in this young body and he's slowly dying. Because Tiny Rick has nothing to do, you know, he denies all the things that he hates about the world. And he's so positive, which is just killing regular Rick. It's just, it, that's awesome to me. And then you have Beth and Jerry are trying to fix their marriage on um, this planet that uh, is all about marriage canceling. And their, their marriage is so screwed up that they end up killing everybody on the planet in a weird way. And it was hilarious and sad. And the show keeps doing their their whole thing of being really dark <laughs> and yet being funny. And it's strange. Um, and this also had, I can't remember his name. What's his name? The guy that um, is the dean in community. Oh. Yes. Jim, Jim Rash. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. So he the is. Oscar
4: winning. Oh, yes. He's yeah. an Oscar winning writer.
2: Yeah, Jim Rash is in this one, much like um, Stephen Colbert was in the last um, episode, uh, and it was awesome. So if you if you haven't had a chance, and I think it's up on Cartoon Network where you can watch it for free because um, they do like the most recent episode, check out Rick and Morty, Big Trouble and Little Sanchez. It's dark and funny at the same time and has some beautiful animation in this one.
4: Um well, you should just check out Rick and Morty in general any Dan Harmon has a beautiful ability to make things funny because they're so true to life
2: and it's so messed up like the 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 dark in this show is hidden beneath these layers of sarcasm and funny and and really cool animation, but there's so much like sadness in these characters. I don't know how to say it. It's just it, and it's so good and it's um I, I it's one of the best cartoons on on TV right now. So be sure to check it out. The other show and I was actually talking to um Eric before we started recording about this. I've only seen because it's an hour and a half premiere is um The Bastard Executioner, the new Kurt Sutter show started. And It aired um, last night, and I've only watched literally the first eight minutes, and in that eight minutes, you've had disembowelings, stabbings, um, puking because you were stabbed in the abdomen, um, surreal visions of angels and demons, um, rough um, behind-the-back sex, and yeah, that's in eight minutes. Woo! Good old Kurt Sutter. He never fails. Um, But it looks so far, even in in that eight minutes, I'm really, really, really intrigued and it looks beautiful. And if you're not aware, this is not a modern set show. I know a lot of people were surprised he went from motorcycle gang to medieval battle that's taking place in Wales. Um, But that's what it is. And he's, he's in it. Katie Seagal's in it, and it looks great. I am intrigued. And also for the fans out there of True Blood, Stephen Moyer is a main character in this too. So be sure to check it out. This is actually, if you have DirecTV or HBO or whatever, um, FX will allow you to watch um, watch it online or on your app, um, on your iPad, iPhone it's got a bunch of different ways to watch it. And all you have to do is if you're, if you don't record it, you can watch it on these, um, live, like, and that's the same with the strain and a bunch of other shows that they have. So check that out. Um, so, uh, last weekend was how horror hound weekend. And it was a great time. Uh, it is convention season and we will be talking about Rose city here momentarily. I just wanted to do a quick recap of horror hound weekend, Um, It was a sort of a bittersweet affair because Wes Craven passed away um, literally two weeks, I think, before the show. A week. Mm -hmm. And um, the entire show was a love letter to Wes. It ended up becoming a beautiful love letter to Wes Craven. Um, We had a, a... original artwork done that celebrated him. And it was this beautiful picture that, um, an artist had, had done of him smiling with, he's wearing the glove and the Freddie hat. And we actually had every cast member from nightmare on Elm street that was in attendance, sign one of these. Um, and we auctioned it off. And I believe we, we, um, we did two. There was the one that was signed and the one that wasn't signed. And then there was a Freddie Krueger bus, someone donated that was au- also auctioned off. And I think we raised over $5,000 for cancer research.
1: Nice.
2: Nice. Yeah. And um, it was really beautiful. Like fans, um, one girl who um, uh, I'm blanking on her name and I'm so sorry, but she cosplays as Nancy Thompson um, uh, and she created these really beautiful buttons of, of Wes smiling. And it says for Wes on them and she was giving them out and everybody was wearing them um, and when I um, moderated my Nightmare panel, I, I had the original cast up there with Robert Englund and Heather Langenkamp. And uh, Mimi um, Craven was there as well, Wes's ex-wife. And uh, the, the panel was kind of a hard one because we started talking about Wes Craven. And Robert England almost broke down. I saw him doing that swallowing thing where you like close your eyes and you like, tense up and you try to stop yourself from crying. And I knew that if Heath broke down, I wouldn't. I would just be on the floor like a sobbing child. Um, and then Mimi actually broke down as well. Um, and it was, but we found out some amazing things during this panel. And one of them was that somewhere out there hiding is a script West Craven wrote for Hansel and Gretel. A Hansel and Gretel West Craven movie. Think about nice. that for a moment. But
4: after he saw that one with Jeremy Renner, he was like, nope.
2: (laughs) Well, apparently this is something that he had written with Stan Winston at his house. And um, it was great because Mimi was talking about how Stan would come over to their house. And she and Stan's wife would, like, go off and smoke cigarettes and drink wine while these guys just went crazy and were doing voices to one another from their scripts, wearing pith helmets and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh my God. And um, so you had that. And then also, it came out during the panel something that Robert England didn't even know, which is on a, a Chinese laser disc of Nightmare on Elm Street. There is a scene extended where Nancy's mom is telling Nancy all this stuff. And you find out that Nancy had a little brother that Freddy Krueger killed. And no one knew this. Like it, this was a shock even to Freddie on stage. And we found that out during the panel too. So there's like these multiple cuts of the movie floating around out there, but the only one you can get that on is this laser disc. So it was, it was pretty phenomenal. And um, afterward people came up and were like asking, you know, I hope somebody recorded that because it was such a moving thing. We, we really turned it into a big love letter to Wes Craven. Um, so it was a beautiful show and it was a great, great time. And I think everybody had a really, it was very chill. It's a very chill Horror Hound weekend. Um, and it was great to meet all these people that I, um, I'd never gotten to, to talk to before in person. Um, so Horror Hound weekend, woo! Yay. So, <laughs> so because it is convention season... We have Rose City Comic Con coming up.
4: Yay!
2: And Sarah, what's going on at Rose City Comic Con?
4: I'm screening my documentary. I, well, there's a lot going on, but that's the most important <laughs> thing, obviously.
1: <laughs> Yay!
4: It's my uh, debut into showbiz.
2: That's pretty good at debut, I think. Um, so um, if you guys haven't seen it, you can watch her documentary online. Um, but it is a uh, ties into our Doctor Who love here because it is about people that build TARDISes.
4: Yes, it is. Um, because I started seeing so many people who would build TARDISes and and whether it's like painting your door or like building a full size TARDIS and, you know, or even a smaller one out of any materials pop- that you have on hand, like People are doing this. That's crazy. That's insane. Like, it's amazing that something can move people of all different ages, uh, you know, through generations so much that they spend time to build a TARDIS. And so I started doing research on it last fall and the documentary I made in the spring. And so it is a short format documentary. It's only 17 minutes long. Um, I hope to make it longer someday. Uh, but yeah. And, uh, it really, since I study folklore, um, I really wanted to get at the heart of like why people love Dr. Who so much. So, um, you know, it's with Jessica's in it. Um, our friend, Nawal, friend Victor from up in Portland, my husband, um, and a guy from here in Eugene who just is constantly building tartises, tiny ones, huge ones, you name it. So.
2: Well, and I, I actually legitimately am supposed to be in this because my sister and I were Hoovians from way, way back. And back in the 1980s, we got the technical manual and my dad built one for my sister to spec. yes. And it's still there and it's huge and it's beautiful. And she went so far as to make plastic signage for it that included all the all the verbiage that are on the sides of the TARDIS about the rules for using the, the phone and everything. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. And that's going on. Um so at that show. And then also um the TARDIS rooms having uh, the premiere party for the episode for the new season there. And then on Saturday, um, Sarah's panel's on Sunday, which I was... Mm-hmm. That, I swear to God, on their site it was wrong because <laughs> I looked. Um, her panel's on Sunday at 1230 that um, we're both on. Um, but on Saturday, I'm at 530 p.m. I am on the Women in Horror panel that they're doing up
4: there. Yay.
2: So represent... And um, hopefully Sunday, because it makes me sad, I realize my panel crosses into the time that Brendan Routh is going to be doing photo ops. I want to photo op with Superman.
4: I know. I'm going to
2: <laughs> do it on Sunday.
4: It's <laughs> always like the, the time your panel is like, oh, well, that's
2: going on then. So, you know, yeah. whatever. Right. So um, we're really excited about this. It's going to be a fun time. And then... Um, gosh it's it's definitely con season because uh in november we got uconn and
4: yeah.
2: in october there's another one going on um that our buddy mark Meer is going to be at called the daytona 2050 in daytona beach i think it's i think it's at daytona beach in florida so that will be that will be interesting too um and also fyi before we move on to our interview segment I got good news on our Halloween special! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we have guest stars.
1: We have. good Oh, news. I wouldn't consider myself a guest star.
2: That's uh, true. Eric's going to be doing because you you were <laughs> you were not on last year's, were you?
1: No, I was not a member of the family yet.
2: No, Eric was. This is going to be Eric's first um, Halloween special, which I finally got the script finished on uh, for. Um, but we're going to have guest stars that actually are going to be performing parts. And, and she is
4: up my creep
2: factor. Oh, have yeah, Sarah is totally nuts. <laughs> Sarah is totally nuts. But, um, uh, yeah, so this, um, as of right now, confirmed for our episode, Mr. Mark Meir. I'm so happy. Yeah. I'm so happy. And Mr. Dad Jones. So So we've got two guest stars and we're just waiting on confirmation for a third. If it doesn't happen, I'll be very sad, but we got two of our guest stars uh, confirmed and they will be recording their lines. They actually are doing, they're going to be saying my lines. Oh my God. (laughs) Next week. So it will be a fun time and we will have that ready for you. Halloween. And to give you an idea, as I've been telling everyone, what would happen if you mix Scooby-Doo, Cthulhu, and H.P. Lovecraft with Hunter Thompson in a blender? That's what you get. This is what you, you get, get the
1: get. best smoothie ever.
2: <laughs> oh, God, it's kind of chunky. and tastes like tuna.
4: Mmm. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> so Let that settle. Let that settle in for a moment. Let that
2: settle Nicotine and tuna and um, whiskey. That's what I would say and, Scooby snacks. and Scooby Snacks. Don't forget snacks. the Scooby Snacks. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't ever let me describe anything ever again. Um, <laughs> so with that, uh, we're going to get into our interview segment here with um, Graham Burke and Robert Smith? Question mark. I love that. Everywhere you look, he's actually got that. So I wonder if he legally... I'm going to have to ask him if he legally changed his name to... Robert's the question mark. The quest- well, he doesn't <laughs> want to be
1: confused with the front man for the cure.
2: I know, right? It's, that's funny. So um, thank you guys for listening. And we will have Robert and Graham here in just a moment. And we'll see you. Um, actually, I don't know if we're going to be recording next week. We may not be on next week due to our um, recording of the Halloween special early. So um, we'll let you know if there will be a new episode or not. But until then thank you for listening thank you sarah and thank you eric thank you and here comes our interview with graham burke and robert smith question mark the authors of the doctors are in hey everybody i would love to welcome for their first time ever to fangirl radio mr graham burke and robert smith question mark um do you pronounce the question mark in there or how do you do this
0: Yes, yes, you inflect on the Smith. That was Yo, Robert okay. Smith.
2: Robert Smith, as in John Smith, I'm assuming? Uh,
0: it's, uh, my name is very common, so that's why I added the question mark. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's awesome. And hence why the doctor shows that pseudonym, I think, in, in the show because- Yes,
0: yes, exactly. <laughs> yes.
2: So um, these guys are amazing Hoovians, and this is what your third or fourth book um, that is coming out called The Doctors Are In.
3: Yes, that's right. It's our it's our third book.
2: Third book, so and I can't wait to talk to these guys because apparently they're doing the same thing I am tonight, which is going to the two hour special 3D extravaganza at the Fathom event tonight for Doctor Who, which I can't wait for because there's a prequel to the new season in it, and uh, so guys, welcome to Fangirl Radio. Well,
0: great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us.
2: Um, I get told I talk about Doctor Who a lot on this show, and I'm sorry, but it's my show and. It's also Doctor Who, which needs to be talked about a lot, and there is a lot to talk about on Doctor Who, and I'm curious um, because I'm going to assume that, um, Robert, it sounds like you're from the U.K.? No, I'm from Australia, actually. Australia. Okay. I'm always, I'm always um, wondering about Australia. How, how did you come to learn about Doctor Who? How did you um, become a fan first, and then I'll t- ask Graham the same question. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm actually uh, one of the older second-generation fans. My, my father was a fan of William Hartnell, um, nice. and he just liked everything he was in. He watched his movies and so on, and Doctor was just one among many things. And so he was just watching it one day when I was five years old, and I thought this was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I was, I was blown away. And I remember very clearly being five and going, I, I've never seen anything so amazing as this. And it was, it was the giant fly in, in the third Doctor's era that just just astounded me at five years old. And you look back now, and it's hilariously bad. But, but at the time, it was the best thing I'd ever seen. Um, and Doctor Who just showed every night, actually, in Australia. And I usually showed four, four nights a week um, at that time. And so it was just on all the time. So everybody watched it. Everybody knew it.
2: Awesome. And so, Graham, how did you come to be a Whovian?
0: Oh, gosh, uh, I'm
3: old. So, uh, <laughs> back, uh, so back in uh, the midst of time in the, in the 1980s, I was 14 years old and uh, I was homesick. And uh, Doctor Who was on PBS uh, because, you know, growing up in Canada, uh, we tended to watch a lot of uh, PBS stations because we're all, all along the U.S. border. And uh, and the one I watched was WNED in Buffalo, and they had uh, Tom Baker era Doctor Who on, and they were sh- showing a, an episode called Pyramids of Mars. And uh, I watched it, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And uh, that's pretty much been uh, two thirds of my life since then.
2: So it sounds pretty close to the same way I got introduced. My sister knew about it first, and I ended up watching it when I from the time I was four years old on and i started with baker and then i ended up becoming per- a pertwee fan and oh, we both hated peter davison at first because he, we th- thought he killed tom baker and <laughs> and he killed the scarf which you know that i think that, yeah, that was
0: harsh i remember that he unraveled oh the- god it, it was, was mean terrible yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh it and it was pbs that did it for me too and um uh, I, I'm curious, did you catch that little nod in Mump Me on the Orient Express that Peter Capaldi did to Tom Baker with not only the Jelly Babies, but um, uh, the, the he slid into the accent for just a moment when he was talking to himself in the train car?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he does sort of inflect a little bit of Tom Baker's voice every so often. It's It's a it's a nice touchy touch hat.
2: Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it so much. So um, I want to talk to you about about your new book, the um, the doctors are in. And are you um, it, when you uh, went into this? Are you talking specifically about each doctor, or the actors, or both um, throughout the book?
0: Uh, kind of both, actually. So we, we talk about sort of the background, both for the actors and then what was happening behind the scenes at the show at that point. Uh, and then we do a sort of lengthy character analysis. And then we kind of each review the Doctor and sort of what he's about um, from our point of view. And sometimes we, we agree, but sometimes we really disagree. And then we can get into some some intense fan debate, which I think is one of the joys of the book, because uh, that's, that's something that Doctor Who fans do really well. We continually discuss and analyze and, you know, kind of tear each other apart a little and so on.
2: So, out of um, out of the original Who's um, from from one through, we'll say uh, eight, which actor is your favorite? Um, I know that's a question you probably get asked a lot. But which one? And if you can't pick just one, can you pick two specific reasons and two specific actors why you like them so much?
3: Robert always says that it's like he he hates choosing favorites because it's like choosing your favorite sibling. I have no. And, and Graham and Graham has clear answers. For uh, and and <laughs> whereas I I probably clearly have favorite siblings. Um, I uh, for me I guess of the classic Doctors it would be Tom Baker, um, and you know because I think in many ways um, he sort of made the role of the Doctor in some ways. I think I think he, the way he sort of plays the character at sort of this forty five degree angle from the rest of us is just so. Um, stunning and compelling. Um, I really also love the classic doctors. I love Peter Davison's Doctor. I, I really do love the Fifth Doctor. I, I think he's a much subtler Doctor, um, but he's also, uh, I think, the way Davison portrays him is, is a very rich portrayal full of really interesting uh, layers and facets to him. And, and, and I think the Doctor becomes a much more interesting character because I think it's, it's very much kind of pitched as an old man in a young man's body um, very much like Matt Smith's Doctor, but I think, you know, 30 years ahead of
0: that. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it would be those two. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Patrick Troutman. If, if you want to go with actual actor, I think he's, he's pretty astonishing. I mean, Tom Baker is an astonishing actor, too. I mean, most of them are actually excellent actors. Um, for character, I really like The Seventh Doctor. I, I find the, the sort of, you know, the, the, this weird mixture of kind of circus clown and, and star killing demigod is such a bizarre <laughs> mix, but it kind of works. And he just sort of hovers menacingly in the background all the time, and he speaks when he needs to, and otherwise doesn't. And and to me, this is a this is a really great take on the doctor. And it was kind of the one that hit all my buttons at just the right age because I was a teenager at that time. Um, so that that for me really really does it.
2: Nice. So I'm I'm curious. I I really 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 loved A Journey Through Time and Space. I loved that film and how it showed how groundbreaking Doctor Who was not only in front of the camera but behind the scenes. And I, lo- I thought David Bradley was just amazing as William Hartnell. But I really found it interesting how you realize just how important Patrick Troughton, if you hadn't before, how important Patrick Troughton was to the series. Because if he hadn't been uh, believable and likable when he came on, it would have been the end.
3: Yeah, I think I think certainly it's it's true. I think I think uh I think Troughton made the show credible enough to continue and I think brought the show in interesting directions. Um I really think to a certain extent, um I think to a certain extent the show stayed on partially because they just didn't have anything better to replace it with. And and, and I think there was a sort of great British quality of, oh, oh we'll just let it go. Um but I also think, uh, you know, I think what really kind of cemented it was, I, I, I think John Pertley's Doctor, in a way, not because of uh, John Pertwee's performance or anything like that, but because I think by that point it sort of cemented in the minds of people that the change was a regular thing, and that, and that the Doctor, and the, the, that now is sort of a part of the ongoing kind of mythos of the show that, you know, you can sort of, if you squint, squint, you know, in the original sort of BBC kind of production sort of memos about, about, about the show, sort of what they said, sort of press releases, what they sort of said to the public. They said things like, oh, the Doctor's rejuvenating, and, you know, he squint. you know, I guess you can sort of say the, see the and Doctor as sort of a rejuvenated Cardinal. But now, you know, with Pertwee, suddenly it was, no, no, this isn't rejuvenation. It's, it's
0: regeneration, and I think, I think it sort of made the format of the show. Yeah, no, I, I would actually say that you know one of the most shocking things about Doctor Who is, is the the title series. You know, you you watch, you see the theme music, and you see the you know the the, the very surprising at the time feedback that they used to to film the the opening sequence and so on. And then the time tunnel that you get later on. Um, I think that that to me is one of those things that just cements Doctor Who to, to viewers. Even people who don't watch it say, "I was terrified of the music and so on." And the next thing to come along to do that is regeneration, because that's that's again this shocking thing that says. Wow, you can replace the lead actor, and you just do. And one of the interesting things about Patrick Swayze is, once once they re- replace William Hurt Patrick Swayze, they basically almost never mention it again. They're just kind of like, okay, on this business as usual, <laughs> and they just kind of play it straight. and And they only sort of bring it up right at the very end when he's about to change again. Um, and I think that's that's brilliant. And they don't really make a big deal of it because they're like, nope, this is just who he is. He's this alien and this weird kind of quirk of production because the old you know doctor was getting a bit old, and they needed a new thing forces this astonishingly alien sort of take on stuff. And I just think that's amazing.
2: Yeah, it's probably the most brilliant way to keep a series going. I mean, that it really is. And how they had to come up with it was such a... It, that's why I love that movie so much, because it gave so much insight into it that no one really knew about. And and they did a great touching tribute at the end with Matt Smith showing up and looking across the TARDIS console, which made everybody cry, because why wouldn't they? Um, so... I'm curious to see what you think about the big surprise. Cause I, I th- what they did for the 50th anniversary was so amazing. All the things that they did, but my favorite probably was bringing back Paul McGann. And um, I, I think his doctor, and I think a lot of people feel this way. And I'm curious what you guys think as well is probably one of the most underappreciated in the whole entire mythos of the show. Um, because what they did with him in the big finish audios was so amazing. Um, and then they kind of gave a nod to that with that um that great short piece that they did
3: I'm not sure if he's underappreciated i think i think I think the sheer uh enthusiasm that 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 happened when everyone suddenly realized that we, paul mcgann's doctor was back for ten minutes uh, was pretty amazing um i think uh I think what he is is because. His only appearance on television was in a, it was in a 1996 TV movie that I think he's I think he's somewhat underlooked, um, and and or sort of overlooked rather and but yeah so uh, yeah I think I think Night of the Doctors sort of reminded people kind of kind of what he brought and while Big Finish has some great audios for sure I think a lot of the kind of charisma that. Paul McGann brings to the role is actually, I mean, his voice is certainly a big part of it, but a lot of it is also just visual. I mean, that man's smile could like a, could like <laughs> light, light a city for several months. It, 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 I think I think there's a certain kind. He he's he's a has a wonderful kind of charm and and he and he just and and yeah, he's very electrifying as an actor right? and and so any amount of time he plays the doctor he really holds your attention that was true in the tv movie where he's really only got about 45 minutes of screen time effectively and it's really true in this where he's only got 12 minutes
0: and yet everyone wants more paul mcgann as the doctor as a result of it so i, yeah, I think for me the um the, the big surprise was less paul mcgann and more tom baker turning up in the you know, the end of the 50th anniversary special, Cause, because that, that to me blew me away. Oh, totally. um, I, I had no idea that was coming. And then you're suddenly seeing Tom Baker, you know, <laughs> 80 years old, um, and he's back. And you're kind of like, you don't see the, you know, this, this 80-year-old man. You see Tom Baker as he, as he was. Um, and that kind of, to me, links across time. Um, I, I think the Paul McGann thing was really cool. And, you know, I, I, I like Paul McGann's Doctor a lot. Um, but for me, it was kind of, it was more the, the fourth doctor turning up that was a big surprise.
2: I think everybody was sobbing openly at the um, screening that I went and saw for that when he showed up, because he was still, he was still the doctor. I mean, it doesn't matter that he's older or whatever, but that you're talking about smiles that can light up a city block. I think mm. Baker's smile can light up a state. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it was, I, th- I think
0: we were both openly sobbing and we were in a TV studio at the yeah. time, so was kind of a- <laughs>
2: <laughs> no i it was it was amazing like when i watched it at home and then went to the theater um because the, the fathom events things have turned into like mini conventions and there was a gal dressed up as peter davison handing out actual jelly babies like they had them imported to this <laughs> to the to the um to their house and was giving them out and it was just a big love fest and that's why Oh my God, it hit even more. I knew it was coming. It still hit. Um, so in terms of the of the new Who stuff, um, what do you guys think about Capaldi? I'm curious because my take on how they came to to this doctor, and I was like, the, I was championing Capaldi when it came out because so many people started just bashing the fact that he was hired. They wanted. They were like, you can't make him old again. You can't do that. And I defended that choice and I, to this day, I'm still, I I still love him. And I'm, he's one of my favorite doctors out of the, out of all of them. I love what he's done with it. I'm curious to see what you guys think after one season and how he's doing.
0: Yeah. I'm not not even sure there was that much like resistance. I I mean, there was a lot of, backlash about it, like people saying, oh, no, you can't, you know, like, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm defending the, the older Doctor, but I don't know how much original stuff there was. I think it's a bit of a, a beat-up actually. Um, but I think, I think Capaldi was marvellous. I think um, uh, Graham, you made a point recently about the, the Doctor, one of the defining characteristics of the Doctor is he's always rude. And you think about it and you're like, actually, he is. He's kind of a rude guy all the time. I mean, Capaldi, is just a bit more on the surface. Um, and he just plays that wonderfully. So I, I think that last season was actually, you know, one of the better seasons that we've seen because they just they really hit the ground running. Um, the relationship with him and Clara was, was astonishing. I thought that you know they, they 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 brought her life into it in in a really clever way and they kind of the, the idea that she might be addicted to travelling with him and he's addicted to it too uh, was just just a mind blowing one to me. Um, I'd never seen that kind of take on the Doctor and companion before. Um, you know I just thought the arc that they had was, was very brilliant and and yeah it was it was great stuff. I thought I'm really excited for what's going to be coming next. I was I was one of those people who when the name when Peter Capaldi's
3: name came up I was quite excited I loved the idea of it. I never thought he'd get hired in a, in a second um, but I thought oh wouldn't he be just brilliant as a doctor and and uh, so in fact I was interviewed the night before the casting was announced to ask you know. Who do you think it should be? And I said, I think it should be Peter Capaldi, but I think it's going to be Daniel Rigby because I, because because he was one of the young actors they were thinking of, and I thought they just won't cast the Doctor over the age of over the age of 40 ever again after Matt Smith. Um, so I was really delighted when they when they cast him, and and honestly, I think he's been great. I think he's, I think it's it's great to have. A heavyweight established actor playing the doctor. We saw a little bit of that with Christopher Eccleston's doctor, but he only played the role for a year. Um, you know, Tennant and Matt Smith were amazing, but I think that but they were also relative unknowns. Uh, but with Capaldi, you have an established heavyweight actor who's widely known and regarded, playing the role he's wanted to play since he was seven years old, and he's just doing it brilliantly every week. And and I think he's always sort of just always just blowing the doors down with all sorts of great things i rewatched the uh i rewatched the last season this summer with my wife and and i was just so um impressed by him in every single story and he would anything he would take on anything from comedy and in the robots of sherwood to sort of very you know to that lovely scene where he's talking to um talking to uh Danny a, a young Danny when he's Rupert and uh, and listen about you know about uh, fear being a but you know about the, the having you know being fear and ha- you know being a superpower and that sort of stuff and and just every single scene he gets it so I really I really love his doctor
2: well and I love the fact that he brings in these little nods between him Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat you have three massive fanboys and they bring in these little, like, in in um, I keep bringing up murder and um, or mummy on the Orient Express because it's, it's one of my favorites. But I think it's one of these great, so many classic nods in that episode. And it was his idea yeah. to do the jelly babies in the um, cigarette case.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, all of them. I mean, just practically just everyone working on Doctor Who is a fan, and you know, um, you know, Jeannie Matheson who wrote that episode is 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 a, is a big fan. Um, you know, practically just about every single writer is sort of living, living, living a fanboy or fangirl dream, and in, 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 in writing for the show. It's, 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 it's. You know, it's a wonderful thing that that you know we can have that kind of uh, that you know that you you sort of can live the dream and then sort of you know put your put in your own little kind of you know fanboy or fangirl wishes and in, 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 into it as sort of a little easter egg.
2: So. um if if you had your druthers if, like what would be the one thing between the t- each of you get each of you get your own answer what would be <laughs> what would be like the epitome? what would be a great your great idea to have happen and if it was like a guest star appearance who would you want and who would you want them to play in an episode of doctor who coming up like you you pick you you're god at this point for the show gosh um
3: I mean, in terms of guest stars, I mean, I think uh, guest stars. I think I think Moffat sort of was cornered by some uh, reporter and said, "Who, what guest star would you like?" And he sort of quickly hemmed and hawed and said, "Well, uh, Brian Cranston, he's very good." And I kind of went, "Yeah, he would be. I'd love to see Brian Cranston in Doctor Hugh, He'd be amazing. I, th- I think he he would really kind of uh, bring a kind of interesting kind of intensity." And, and it would be fun to see him do something that was, that's vastly different than kind of anything he's done thus far, including Preparation H commercials in 1980s. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so, yeah, so in terms of guest star, yeah. And uh, just in terms of a general thing, um, I'm not sure
0: uh, what I'd like to see. Maybe I'll we'll let Robert to. You know. Actually, yeah, I, I have a great thing I would love to see in terms of a general thing. I, I would love to see the Unity era. Updated. I would like to see the doctor exiled to Earth again. I think that'd be a great, great like you know season-long arc. You know he's stuck on Earth and he can't go anywhere and he has to you know he's trying to repair the TARDIS or whatever. He's stuck in one time zone, so it 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 does what the new series is always trying to do, which is connect the sort of alien with the domestic. Um, I think you have the perfect recipe there. I think it would be great because he's just sort of hanging around with Clara or whatever. The kind of thing you've sort of been doing for a while anyway, um, but you give it a season-long arc and you have recurring characters and you have something, you know, the equivalent of the brigadier and you have some, you know, supporting cast and so on. Um, And and yet, because he's there, then there's alien invasions or whatever it is. And so so you get the science fiction stuff as well. I think that's just a a stream that the um, the new series would, would love to mine, and I think they could do it really, really well. And, and it's cheap, too. <laughs>
2: and 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 we would have an opportunity to see Capaldi and, and Bessie.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes.
2: <laughs> I, I'm, wait, I'm I, waiting for that. I want that to
0: happen. That could be really cool. <laughs> I think I, I'd like to
3: see... Um, I like. I mean, we all... I think I, I don't want to see too much past continuity, but I would like to see them use more of the actual continuity they've developed since 2005 in the modern series. I would really like to see uh, villains like the Sycorax or or, you know, uh, you know return. I would really like to see some of the sort of monsters that were created in the, in the Eccleston and Tennant eras kind of come back, because I think there's lots of really cool creatures that were kind of invented for that and haven't been used again, and I think it's kind of funny. Like, you know, we think about, you know, oh, what mo- old monsters are we going back? We always think back from the ones in the 60s and 70s, like, you know, the the you know the Cybermen or the or the Ice Warriors or whatever you know but you know there's all sorts of really cool stuff that was created in, in from 2005 to say 2010 that we haven't really seen again I mean you know we, you know I think the only carryover we've had is in fact the Weeping Angels and the Ood. and I I think I think you know it'd be kind of cool to see some
0: see some using of continuity from from the more recent past. I would. Yeah, I, I actually couldn't agree more. I think so that that yeah. would be a great thing. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of bringing back continuity from the past. I mean, I love the past, but the past is there and accessible for us. I'd, I'd rather see new stuff. I would kind of like to see a bit more kind of ongoing stuff. I'd, I'd also like to see a season-long arc, maybe with the master, you know, some, someone who's time active who can appear with the doctor in, in random locations. That, that's the problem of doing continuity, right? You've got to have some reason for somebody to turn up in the same place as the doctor when he can go anywhere, anytime. Um, but if you had someone chasing them around or something like that, um, or some time-active monster that was doing that, I think that would be a really cool thing. And, and, you know, he spent the whole season running from there. But they kind of dabbled in that a little bit here and there, but they haven't really done it. I mean, I would like to see something like the Borg, you know, the sort of what they did with Star Trek. Suddenly the Borg appear and they're, you know, that is are new big bad and they're just, you know, they're chasing them around a lot. You, you need a Doctor Who version of that. And I think that would really be great.
2: I I would love for them to bring back because we only got it hinted at once in state of decay. I would love to see the vampires that we heard about and saw sort of in that come back to fight the Time Lords. I want to see that. I mean, the 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 ideas of of that whole thing with like you have the stake ships, like the rockets that were the that were the only way you could kill these planet drainers. That whole thing I thought was amazing because. Immortal beings like the Time Lords would only be able to be taken on by another immortal being. And I, I think it would be cool to have something like a hammer horror type of episode because I know Capaldi's also a hammer freak to um, do something like that with his doctor.
0: Yeah, I, I guess you could have the vampires and now there are no Time Lords. So they're kind of.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they're
2: taking... <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I think that would be awesome. Well, guys, yeah. uh, um, I, I lo- Thank you so much. I, I know we're getting ready to run out of time, but I wanted to give you a chance to um, let everyone know where they can find your stuff and also what you're up to right now.
0: Yeah, well, the doctor they're in is in bookstores, um, or you can uh, order it online, of course, on Amazon and all sorts of places. Um, but it, but it, it appears usually in the local bookstore. Um, so, so as you're finding it, that's, that's pretty easy. Um, yeah, you can also go to the publisher's website,
3: mcwpress.com. Um, yeah, yeah, and we're and we're both sort of working on other other
0: projects yeah. and sort of like we're, we're just just about to get started on the next one. So yeah, you know, yeah. Watch, watch this space.
2: What's your next book?
0: Uh, we, uh, so we, we're in the planning stages at the moment, so we don't we, oh, we can't okay. quite see yet, but we're yeah. we're definitely uh, on the wall. Yeah.
2: Is it is it Doctor Who related?
0: It is Doctor Who related. Yeah. Yay!
2: Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> That's fine then. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much um, for joining us, and I hope you enjoy tonight. Because I heard you're, like I said, you're going to the thing too tonight for the Fathom event, and um, I can't wait. And this 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 weekend is the premiere. Holy crap, it's here! No,
0: it's all it's all very exciting. It's all happening.
2: Yeah. Ah, God. All right, guys. Well, thank you again so much, um, Graham Burke and Robert Smith. <laughs> and, Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you again. And the doctors are in, and bookstores now.